to the podcast, The Innovation of Chatbots. In 2018, iProspect have identified three trends that are driving the popularity of chatbots. First, adults and younger audiences value messaging as a communications channel. Second, data breaches have caused an increase in private messaging use. And third, consumers prefer the option of messaging a business. Brands need to take note of these trends and ensure that they implement innovative methods to capitalize on this behavior. This podcast will delve deeper into what chatbots mean for brands. We will talk about brands currently using chatbots, why chatbots are the future, what's next for chatbots, and we have a rich case study of Diageo. My name is Sebastian Redens. I'm the head of paid social at iProspect, and to my right... My name is Perry Antoniou. I'm the new technology and media innovation manager at Diageo. And to my left... You've got Kat Chappell, paid social lead for Diageo at iProspect. Thank you. This is a segue into our first topic, brands currently using chatbots. Let's go a little bit back into history and explore where chatbots are coming from. Do we have some history period? When when talking about chatbots in today's age, it's important to look at the past. They have existed for years and years. I'm not quite a new innovation. I think innovation we'll be talking about probably more geared towards what's happening in today's world. But essentially the idea of creating automated conversational interface, anything that will drive efficiency, that will create some form of utility. So I think when we look in today's world, that really hasn't changed in that a lot of the types and the concepts we're seeing being developed are very geared towards utility and and functional features. I think the just to add to that is we're now into a stage where yes we can recognize that bots are not exactly new essentially they were just pieces of code that were used to perform a functional task but now you've got the consumer learning via AI and more advanced technology to be able to make it essentially dynamic for that particular consumer and that's where the social platforms and the new tech platforms that we're able to use nowadays integrates all of that. And we, we do have years and years of human to human interaction of learning uh, from that interaction to take into the build of these experiences and I think it's important now going back to that innovation that we're referring to once people are in that experience, how can you make it as seamless and as frictionless for them as possible in an environment that is that, that is familiar to them? So all these boxes seem to feel like they can be ticked nowadays mm-hmm. um, with the various platforms that are available to us. I think that also we wouldn't be in this position unless there was a need for it and the consumers are crying out for that easy interaction that is going to save them time as well as saving brands time. We talk about cost efficiencies and yes, chatbots are a great way to be efficient in saving on resource and that human-to-human interaction, but also the drive is actually coming from the consumers. They don't want to be stuck on call centres. They want to be able to get an answer immediately, which is why platforms such as Twitter have blown up is because they expect an answer within 20 minutes rather than waiting 24 hours for a response back. So interesting, the amount of people that will vent their frustration on Twitter to BA via Twitter first mm, before mm. going to the call centre before mm. looking yes. even maybe when they're in Heathrow you know for a, a personnel that they can refer to it tends to be yes. where can I vent my frustration where can I voice my opinion and actually 
within a couple of minutes it's likely you'll get a response as well so I think that's a great learning and so the social media platforms have driven this you're absolutely right I yeah. think and it's how brands it's a great opportunity now for brands to harness this opportunity for real one-on-one conversations with consumers so we, what we see we are leveling the playing field right now so we've identified okay well social media networks have now all the scale all the reach particularly Facebook they offer on top of that reach uh, a technology platform where a lot of technology companies can plug into and and develop innovative solutions and for brands it becomes incredibly interesting because they can now think of how can we message people at scale yeah and in an automated way so and all of this innovation particularly on Facebook is is quite new say like within the past 24 months yeah so let's talk a bit about the companies that are exploring this space uh, what do you think right now are, are interesting um, concepts and applications of the chatbot technology? Some of the stuff, again, I, I go back to the term utility and functionality because that is the common theme that, that occurs across the various concepts I've seen. And some of them live in Facebook Messenger. Others like Starbucks will mm-hmm. have them within their own app, their own proprietary platform where they could probably consume data firsthand, they could link it to their own loyalty with a much more ease. So I think that's a really interesting way in that it's owned by the brand end-to-end within their experience. And then I think in the US, there's you could order a Lyft cab via your Facebook Messenger. And then some of the work we've done here, which is more around, you know, within our industry, driving football to outlets through redemption mechanics as mm-hmm. well. So. Again, you know, many different types mm-hmm. of functionalities. I think chatbot is an interface through which you can get these actions committed and done. However, without those, the, the ability for the platform to link into a redemption mechanic or a till system, these open APIs that you're referring to, I think that is what is now enabling a much more frictionless experience, a much more end-to-end experience through chatbots. I think I've seen some great examples within the energy industry, people getting insurance quotes, speaking to people like British Gas to change the tariffs that they're on. And I think the, that vertical is investing in chatbots because it is making the experience frictionless in the fact that you can do your whole quote on Messenger, which means that you don't have to be tied to a laptop for 20 minutes to be able to do it. And it's the way that a younger demographic is wanting to interact with a company nowadays. So if they're able to get everything they need while surfing the net, being on Facebook, they're going to do that in a, in a short space of time. And it's going to make the journey a lot easier for them. Some other examples that we've seen is some retail stores. You're going through a whole consumer journey to find out what the perfect outfit could be, mm. being presented with different options. And then again, in sort of FMCG, driving to on-trade, driving to outlets that you can't link up that experience necessarily on social platforms, Mm. you're definitely getting the scale and reach there. And then I think some of the examples that we've seen in the last six months are potentially more reactive. So obviously KFC did a fantastic chatbot when they ran out of chicken within the UK. They launched Where's My Chicken Bot, which was directing people to the nearest store that actually had chicken. So they made a really good case out of a bad experience. It could have been a PR nightmare, but actually they were completely on hand to try and help their consumers. Throughout the camp, and in general, KFC as a business did a great job to turn that into mm-hmm. a positive in sense, but actually to look at using technology in a way um, that can flip the story and actually still be able to provide some form of value. I think that's yeah. really incredible. And just to add to some of the stuff Kat's saying, 
if you look into Asia and the likes of WeChat mm -hmm. as a as a platform, we've still got a long way to go and a lot to learn as far as how a more even more end-to-end -end experience. You know, that's mm -hmm. kind of social chatbots. You know, your commerce and Amazon and all in one. So, and then if you take it more to a machine to human interaction level, the way consumers are engaging with the platforms mm -hmm. in Asia mm -hmm. uh, and getting used to these very innovative, intuitive interfaces versus here, I think we're going to also see very different types of innovations within the space and around the world. We just had a lot of very interesting examples and applications that have emerged over the past, say, 24 months. Just to repeat it, you said it's possible to book your ride through Messenger, it's possible to get an insurance quote through Messenger, it's possible to do your check-in process if you fly if you fly with KLM through Messenger now. So all uh, different verticals using it in different ways to automate and scale interaction processes. So it totally becomes an interface, as you said, I agree to that. So if we just uh, look a bit ahead, more into the future, you said very interestingly that WeChat is paving the way for the future right now, in, in China particularly, and what's happening there makes us look quite a way behind the disruption that is going on there. So looking ahead, what would you see? Do you see like any core themes that capitalize on chatbots I think the themes are multiple. It'll be tough just to kind of identify one and pick it out as the the core theme that's going to kind of drive chatbot development forward. I think it's going to become much more meshed with other areas and other technologies. Voice is already a huge thing, and that exists within the Alexa and Google space. Facebook is developing chatbots or have opened their platform or Messenger essentially to be able to develop chatbots. Same with Twitter. So platforms are adopting this. They're adopting voice. They're adopting chatbots and then you have other ecosystems adopting voice and the underlying technology uh, and design from the human to machine interaction across all of these is twofold from what I understand. It's a decision tree mechanic. It's a yes or no answer or you give an answer to a question which gives you multiples to choose from in order to be able to navigate the experience or utilizing something called natural language processing which is more quite kind of conversational approach. I think that's probably where we want to get to next, which is where it becomes even more frictionless, where you can create an experience which is geared towards the innate behavior. Our innate behavior is not to be sat answering to yes or no questions all day, it's to be <laughs> yeah. thinking ourselves by ourselves and mm -hmm. creating conversations from our thoughts. And if we can mm -hmm. begin to develop experiences that can tap into our innate behavior, I think that's where it gets even more interest for the platforms. I agree. I think that WhatsApp is something that is quite untapped at the moment. And obviously that's because there is a closed API and there's limited things that you can do. But we've already seen Facebook roll out into Instagram for things like chatbots and driving people to take further action. We're all hoping that WhatsApp will become a platform that can sort of integrate everything that's happening on social networks. However, some of the cool things that I've seen on WhatsApp is starting to pave the way. So obviously you can do voice text on WhatsApp, but also some companies are scaling that. Instead of using email to keep you updated, you're able to converse with someone via WhatsApp by telling them what you want. I sign up to, I think we are social on WhatsApp, and then you can sort of navigate which interest you're more interested in. So it's becoming a more personalized experience to me, and it's learning all the time what's going to be relevant to me rather than somebody else. And that's another huge area. You know, I think what we've done, especially at the Azure up until now, has been very 
experience driven. We haven't really reached the machine learning stage yet. Mm. We haven't reached the stage where we actually take into consideration every experience that that user has had with the touch point and refine it in order to create a better experience going forward. And I think that's something that's also going to become really interesting when also these platforms begin to merge with each other in a way where we probably wouldn't be able to imagine right now. But actually, there will be an engine somewhere which is the engine for Sebastian, let's say, and all your data and your behaviors. And this machine will, or machines, will be able to serve you up with the data that you want all via a seamless interface. And one of the examples I kind of call upon, which I always think to myself, oh, if I had this in a, via voice, it would be even better, or actually just natural language, is something like Clio which is a mobile, I want to say banking application. Yeah. It's more like a finance management assistant. <laughs> Tells you you spend too much money and does, it does great to help you navigate your finances mm. and serve up certain bits of data or insights about your spending that you wouldn't have thought of. That's a great tool and at the moment it sits in Facebook Messenger, or well, I experience it through Facebook Messenger. Using natural language in that environment, it's almost like speaking to your own personal banker and I think again you know to be able to ask for that data by a voice and then be, mm. it will cut through the the amount of thinking that you have to yes. do to get to the answer you want. It's also in a way it's friction if you have to use your arms to type things <laughs> because you well, know you need we, to be able to do it and we speak yeah. four times faster than we type exactly so yes. yeah, yeah there is definitely an efficiency to yes. be driven <laughs> and once you fly first class economy is not the same again yes. so the minute we get used to speaking to things, we'll yeah. get very frustrated when they're yes. not responding to us. <laughs> but we're not, we're not there yet. I think that will be weird, yes. though, when you can look into the future and you're speaking to the kettle and it's not responding to yes. you and you're having a go at it yeah. because <laughs> you expect some form of response. This is a very good segue to our next topic. It's about how Diageo, as, as, a, as a brand, as a company, is embracing all these new technologies, particularly around chatbots, machine learning, and how you are mapping out and exploring this space for yourself. So can you share a bit more how you're approaching this and what's the type of work that's been going on right now between Diageo and Apple? For those who don't know, Diageo, we are a, a multinational spirits manufacturer. Within our portfolio of 200 plus brands, we have Guinness, Johnny Walker, Bailey, Smirnoff, Tanqueray, Captain Morgan, the list goes on. And the business has an ambition to generate as many one-to-one -one personalized brand-to-consumer interactions as possible. And in order to, to achieve that ambition, definitely one of the important mediums to consider is chatbots and automated conversational interfaces. Mm -hmm. It's high on our agenda as a technology that we want to test, learn, iterate experiences, try and scale what we learn. And I think, you know, once we've learned enough, begin to think about a strategy within the space and how it becomes business as usual. Through our exploration, we've, we've identified a couple of concepts. One is the, our friends of Classic Malts is a, a malts community, and we developed a whiskey matcher mm -hmm. that sits on the Friends of Classic Malts Facebook Messenger page. And the, uh, we have quite a, I would say, complex portfolio of, of, of malt whiskies. So somebody who is new to the category may find it fairly daunting to, to try and navigate the category if they want to either buy for themselves or as a gift. So we developed an experience that helps them navigate our whiskey portfolio based on a series of Q&As and also serving them up with the relevant information around food pairings and the, the history mm -hmm. of, the, of the liquid and, and the uh, distillery and so on, driving all the way through to purchase. Mm -hmm. So great, again, in that you know, we've identified the pain point, 
and in this case being the complexity of the Moz portfolio and uh, navigating it as a, as a new consumer, new to category consumer. And as a result, we are able to match at least 80% of the audience that enter the experience and pass through the age gate with the perfect whiskey, mm -hmm. which is fascinating. And actually, the data that we can unpack from the experience also reinforces some of the planning that we do mm. uh, when it comes to uh, marketing to our audiences. I mean, this is a chatbot that lives organically on that page, so it's always open. Not so people can try it out People now. can try it now. Yeah. And it, like Perry said, it's there to help you match up to what your perfect whiskey is. So it gets a lot of traction because it is helping break down those barriers and people will get a different answer on a different day depending which input. They're not going to ever be able to get the same answer because they're changing their options on how they feel. One of the things that we've seen is that actually they're more likely to use it for themselves than actually buying a gift because, as Perry said, they're helping to navigate the whole yeah. mm -hmm. massive world of malts. And it is daunting whether you're going for a single malt or a mm -hmm. blend this really helps the consumer sort of decide, okay, actually I'm going to base it on taste and base it on that moment, base it on a price point because they may want to try malts but don't necessarily know what they should be spending mm. to learn from the world that is malts that is mm. so complex. And it's actually something that a lot of Diageo brands and other whiskey brands have is sort of breaking down those barriers as to getting new demographics into liking malts because it is so complex and this is something that the friends of malt whiskey helps with and so one of the things that iProspect has done is kind of amplify that audience to be going to that chatbot so we'll do it at key gifting periods kind of thing so making people aware that they have this option to learn what they want or what they want as a gift rather than sending them to a website such as Amazon which has got a hundred different types of whiskies and they just choose the top one because it's the easiest this is actually refining that process for them I think that's absolutely right. The importance of amplifying the experience to the right audience in order to make it available to them is key. And for us, it's also the importance of identifying other touch points where this experience might be relevant. So we ask questions such as, what if we were to apply this experience somehow into duty-free uh, environment, hmm. where you have uh, in the physical space a variety of whiskies stacked on shelves in front of you, even more daunting task in that you're probably uh, under time constraints mm. and you may be wanting to buy a gift for somebody and consumers preferring to engage with a machine versus a human regardless of the scenario so what if it could be twofold or threefold there's I mean, maybe a call to action to engage with the Facebook chatbot within the point of sale in duty free mm. or is there a integrated tablet within the experience of duty free through which you can actually yeah. engage with the mechanic so I think for us now, now that we've developed the experience and identified that actually it does have bad view and the results show um, you know, all the necessary kind of completion rates that, we're, that we need to be happy with to, to scale this up, what are the other touch points that we could be applying this to? So what I find interesting here is essentially the way how you, you know, use the chatbot mechanics for your business is that it replaces a consultancy function. Whereas to stick with the example of the whiskey matcher, if you train up a human to have that expertise and knowledge to you know, do a, a, an accurate recommendation across 26 different brands of whiskey, this takes um, not only years of time to train someone up, but also it's a lot of investment and it's totally not scalable. Totally, yeah? Yeah. And here you have all the technology that empowers you as a brand in this very, very expertise-led uh, sales environment to leverage technology. Yeah? 
I definitely see these types of applications as a symbiotic arm of mm -hmm. that person who works as duty free mm -hmm. and is dealing with these requests. Imagine if they could just tap into this experience at any one time and help yes. users or consumers navigate yeah. the portfolio by not just having the whiskey chatbot, but a gin chatbot or mm -hmm. a whatever variety of category chatbots. It could move into the kind of cologne and perfume yeah. industry. There's just so many mm -hmm. ways it could be, you know, it could move uh, laterally. These people that are down on the ground, though, they're they're also serving a purpose and that they can feed back the questions that we could be answering with a chatbot. But there is still a requirement and a need for service and consultant personnel, but they take on a more holistic view is that they're able to spend time on more complex issues. Mm. We're able to get a two-way conversation going with learnings that we can then feed into tech. So it becomes that sort of, not machine learning, but people learning yes. that we're able to refine and define the next level of a chatbot because mm they may be getting asked a question that we've never encountered or thought about mm. that we can then feed in and then we're helping solve both a business objective and a consumer need. Yes. Yeah, I totally so. agree. I think that's something we haven't touched touched on is the importance for, I suppose, there's two types of data sets. There's the data you get from people using the experiences in, this is how they've navigated the mm -hmm. experience. Mm. Then there's the data you get from people using the experience via themselves direct. I didn't like the interaction. I didn't like the tone of what was said. I didn't understand what was said. I didn't like the fact that it tried to tell a joke, for yeah. example. You yeah. know, all these different elements of human to machine interaction that will allow us to refine the experience ongoing. Yes. Um, we get that quite a lot from mm. community management as well on social. Mm. We get a lot of feedback as to how people have interacted and whether they're sharing it with their friends because they found it a seamless experience or whether there was issues around the deployment. And it's not necessarily with Diageo, but it could be with any retail store. Oh, there's there's not a Burberry store near me, so yeah. why are you driving me to London when I live in Manchester? Right. So you have all those things that actually from community management, you can actually determine how people are really feeling about that tech interaction so we found that didn't we with some of the activity we ran for our redemption act mechanics yeah. and that was you know where people would click through to google maps to find a bar near them that mm. was offering a, you know a, a complimentary gordon's pink tonic and the nearest pub was 20 miles away right it was through viewing the comments and getting a trigger from the community management that we knew that actually this was a challenge and then we were able to go and navigate that it was something we weren't expecting and mainly because we were being hyper targeted on the locations so if, with the paid support that we were putting behind it we were targeting where those bars were yeah. what we didn't account for is all the earned impressions and earned social sharing that we Absolutely. obtained because everyone was sharing it so someone in Manchester could have got a free cocktail but they were sharing it with people in Liverpool yeah. that couldn't because there was no bars so there was something that there was a lot to be said for how the community management companies and teams worked um, but it also made us that actually we can't necessarily be granular with a product such as Gordon's because it is so popular that actually we need to get the entree partnership to sort of scale it as much as possible to be able to get the most from a chatbot. So that, that's definitely a learning that was taken forward. That's your test, learn, iterate process end-to-end. Yes. -end. The minute we discovered that, there was huge opportunity to understand the shared and you know the earned element of how people share this and how they'll tag their friends in the experience and how do we navigate that and mm -hmm. how do we make sure that the experience is great for everybody that, that falls into it. The, the case study we're just talking about, um, the whiskey matcher, from what I understand, it's not Diageo's first chatbot. It's uh, you actually you have your own program where every time you deploy a bot, 
there's something more you're learning about it. So can you share a bit of the journey? I mean, the, so the Whiskey Matcha was, I think, the first one that we developed. Since we have developed a variety which are, I say very functional, we have over time got a little bit creative with it. We developed, like I've said, so for Borden's Pink and Don Julio, actually, so the Don Julio example, sim similar mechanics. With Don Julio, we collaborated with Chiquito, a Mexican bar and restaurant, and uh, it was 72, I think, participating outlets up and down the country. Mm -hmm. And the, the idea was to redeem your complimentary Don Julio serve around the Day of the Dead celebrations, I think around November, in one of these outlets with a meal. And we had various call to actions, either on a tent card on the table, through social, an email campaign. And that was purely to, to understand whether we could win that occasion, that we could make sure that the brand is front of mind during that occasion. And actually the results are very promising. That was our strongest campaign in mm. terms of redemption rate. I think that that was the one and truly example where we had three different channels coming in together. And this was for a brand that doesn't do a lot on social. It's quite sort of well-known but doesn't need that amplification so we were really pleased with the results that we got in terms of the comments that we were getting back on social the creative was fantastic yeah. and it really landed that mm. attribution between don julio and day of the dead mm. i think that's that's what's key right it is that you have a umbrella occasion in the day of the dead to champion to you to, to help the brand be championed yeah and i think off the back of that we, I think the, the Captain Morgan is the, the next great example that I'd love to yeah. kind of call out. Again, very similar mechanic, not a with food offering. It was more a, a Captain and Cola. Uh, you would be able to redeem your drink in there was 50 or 60 participating venues up and down the country. This time we, um, we worked with a company called Spirable who creates dynamic content. Mm -hmm. So we, again, you know, the magic of Facebook Messenger and APIs, mm -hmm. were able to call upon Spirable within the experience to drop in a dynamic GIF yeah. that featured the captain. So uh, there was two activations two for activations. Spirable. Mm -hmm. So we had it in yeah. the paid ads leading people into the bot, mm -hmm. where we were able to pull out the location of that person. So yeah, mm -hmm. ahoy there, get down to your nearest bar in Liverpool. Mm -hmm. And then once they'd completed the bot, and then redeemed, that redemption code was fed back into the API yeah. and then they were served with a personalized gift saying, ahoy there, Captain Dave, thank you for enjoying your drink at bar one Liverpool. Wow. So there was mm. two elements mm. in deploying that and that's something that we had never done before. We'd obviously used Spirable with Diageo brand before and to great success, mm -hmm. but never in this whole chatbot technology. Mm. And I think that one of the things that we've learned as a company within iProspect is, yes, taking on Diageo's sort of test and learn approach, but we have tested various different things, not necessarily one thing at a time. We've tested a variety of things at a time to really sort of hone in a perfect formula for running a chatbot with yeah. paid amplification and we've now got to a point where Captain Morgan now have chatbots business as usual in their whole yearly plan. Mm -hmm. We've now got this perfect formula that we can lift and shift to any brand and potentially any market and I think that's the next stage is what markets are next mm -hmm. for this deployment. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. We're coming to the end of the podcast. It's been a fascinating conversation between Perry from Diageo, who we just learned are driving one-to-one -one personalized brand experience with people. Kat from iProspect, who is the partner in realizing 
these experiences and driving the scale. And so to wrap it up, a couple of key takeaways. Please share some of your experience and your key takeaways um, that apply for any brand. I don't think I can necessarily take all the credit because I think (laughs) a lot of these learnings have come from working so closely with Perry and the innovation team at Diageo. But I think the main thing, the number one is kind of they come to us with what they want to achieve because they've identified a business challenge that a chatbot can help solve. So whether that's driving more people to Entree, which is probably any FMCG um, brand sort of number one goal is that they don't necessarily have their own distribution channel, so they need to drive people to where they can purchase their products. So definitely identify which challenge that is, whether it's Entree, driving traffic online, sampling products is probably quite a key one for FMCG, Mm. and sort of making sure that you're always going back to that objective to make sure that you're not getting carried away. Know your audience is my second tip in terms of social is open to everyone. So you could host something organically that anyone can stumble across and hopefully people that interact with your brands will be made aware of it from an organic point of view. But there is also the amplification via paid. So getting to know your audience and knowing which audience you're targeting is a key thing. And something we found with the Whiskey Finder is that we targeted a number of different audiences to see which one it resonated with, whether they were purchasing for a gift or for themselves and so that we could tailor the creative so the second time that we deployed it we had dynamic creative for dynamic for different audiences mm-hmm. again sort of going back to point three amplifying your chatbot through paid social one of the key examples that i love to sort of it's not necessarily chatbot related but we all know that organic social is becoming buried in family and friends content especially after mark zuckerberg announced back in january that this is their intention for platforms such as facebook It really is a case of don't let all your hard work go to waste in terms of chatbots aren't necessarily cheap to build and create and so you want to drive as many people. So even the smallest amount of paid social support can really amplify that. One of the examples that we've, when we're working on a different brand is that 94% of the reach came from paid and that was only for a small investment. It was already a massive brand, but actually that's how much difference paid amplification can make. Point number four is we've talked a lot about sort of test and learn. So it's test, test, (laughs) test some more and be confident in those tests. Don't think, oh, we haven't got a good enough answer. We need to test again. Have conviction, learn what works. For example, when we launched one of the chatbots back last year, we tried one type of message objective on Facebook. They then rolled out the message reply objective. We tried and tested it, and okay, it was slightly more expensive, but the quality of the people completing the journey was much better. Mm-hmm. So whilst we were paying more, actually that was a better objective, and now we've seen that cost come down as that objective is more used. And then evaluate performance. We're very lucky that the agency that we've been working with, MLP, to create these chatbots, we've done interagency PCAs, which has really helped Diageo as a business sort of understand that end-to-end journey. Mm-hmm. So from driving the traffic through to the chatbots and then what they do in that. And then we're able to segment that by tracking everything as to what type of audience is actually converting. And I think that that's really key in sort of taking that to the next stage and chatbots will be coming business as usual. So we need to sort of have a large awareness, but also keep that tailored audience for that we know that works. Thank you very much, Kat. Thank you very much, Perry.